What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Champion Mindset. We're diving into everything mindset, identity, and happiness on this podcast. And today I got an extra special guest. This is former baseball player at Cal State Monterey Bay, former minor league ball, baller in the Golden Baseball League, expert in so many things related to health, fitness, nutrition, mindset, current owner at Fit with Matt, co-host of Optimized You podcast with yours truly, a good friend of mine, even though we've only really known each other for, for four months, my boy, Matt DeJesus, what's going on, brother? Man, I love the intro. I was dead on. Trying. I did dead my on, research. Brother. I did my <laughs> right research. On. I was like, let's let's figure out everything about Matt that I can love put it. in this intro. I love so it. Hopefully I didn't miss anything. No, no, you're good, man. <laughs> caught, you caught everybody up to speed. I appreciate you, man, being on here. Obviously, like we were talking about every time we get on, we could go for – we could do a Joe Rogan podcast where we go for I like know. five hours, which is oh, we have to set time weird. limits. <laughs> yeah, we do. We got to be like, okay, we got an hour we'll today. Go. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. If we didn't know what the time was, we just like we would never stop recording. We'd be still doing our first podcast that we did exactly a few months ago or whatever. So, but I appreciate you, brother. And really, what I wanted to start with is just you know maybe like a Cliff Notes version of how you've gotten to this point. You've obviously done a ton of things. And so I'd love for you to chat about just, I guess, up until the point of, of being done with sports, like what can you bring us up to speed on that part of your life? That transition. Yeah. So like I remember playing minor league ball and I vividly remember like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I remember seeing like making friends with buddies in the clubhouse. And that was a tough transition too. you go from like playing with your best buds in college. And then all of a sudden you transition into some pro ball and like, you know, ev everybody's there for a job. Everybody's there for a different reason. So it was almost like you're shaking hands with people, but it was like a fake handshake for some, you kind of just got that vibe It's very businessy. And for me, I just didn't like it. And so it was hard for me to progress when my head wasn't in it. Like, don't get me wrong. I learned from some phenomenal people, got to have like amazing experiences. There was a great side to it. Um, and there's experiences that I wouldn't trade for anything just based on the information and, um, you know, the people I got to meet. Like, that was super cool. But I found myself in a position where I was like, well, this is totally different than college ball. You, you're playing with a higher level of stress, especially since I was coming out of college and you had kids that were getting drafted out of high school, like also playing. And so there was a lot more leniency, I would say, with like the younger kids, meaning that they could mess up a little bit more versus me. I'm out of college. Right. So I played with a lot of stress on the line, like every strike that you were down was like your back is against the wall further and further and further. Any air, if you booted a ball, like all eyes were on you. Right. And so uh, it, it forced you to play with a different level of, of stress on your shoulders. You know, college ball was more fun. It was more laid back. It was well, my coaches used to call it loosey goosey. And like when you played like that, you usually balled out. You know, when you played stressed and you, you know, this too, from playing baseball, it's like, if you play timid or you swing tense, uh, your swing slower, you're less efficient, right? It works against you. And that was a cool thing. Like contrasting, always playing football and baseball too. I played football through high school and then just focused on baseball from there. But football was like, uh, 
it had some finesse to it, but it was very grunt, like explosive, like raw, raw, like muscle type. Right. And like making that smooth transition back over to baseball where you had to be like fluid and finesse, like Omar Vizquel and Robinson Cano. And uh, those are the guys that I looked at just to be like super smooth, right? Like just beautiful and fluid in the game. And it was always like hard getting that back after like making the transition from football. But yeah, I vividly remember playing being in the clubhouse and like making buddies with like your your the guy with the locker next to you and then you come in and their jerseys hung up right like they're gone they're traded they're cut and it was very different it was very like like you didn't even say bye to them like nothing they just they showed up and they were gone right like they got traded and so eventually that happened to me a couple times and i was like all right dude like i'm you know <laughs> i'm over it you know i wasn't having fun anymore and so uh, I had always had a passion for strength and conditioning. It's what I was actually going to school for. So I was in school for kinesiology, exercise, nutrition, and wellness. That was my emphasis. So, um, and it, I kind of got lucky with that because it was like the the career that they put all the athletes in if you didn't know what you wanted to do. So I was kind of just in the kines department, and uh, you know that's what I ended up graduating in. Um, but luckily, I ended up finding a passion for that because during my training in college and then in the minors, I found how successful you could be on the field just by what you were doing off the field. Like, what were you doing in the weight room, right? Like, of course, we know mindset's a huge part of it too. And I'm sure we can dive down that whole aspect. But just from the physical side of things, taking care of your body um, and lifting weights and doing it in a progressive way, in a proper way, you could exponentially see your performance increase on the field. And so for me, that was something that lit me up. I was like, I was always tied into like the athlete side of things, meaning like, okay, if I'm going to be successful, I got to do it through sports and I got to do it through playing. And so that initial transition transition was tough, man. I had to shift my whole identity. It went from being athlete to being like, okay, what are you going to do now? Okay. Well, the most seamless and practical transition for me would probably be something in the strength and conditioning realm, working with athletes, which is what I did. So then I went over to San Diego state and I did my strength and conditioning internship there, um, as a student intern. Right. So I went there, um, soaked up as much knowledge as I could, you don't get paid for that, right? You go from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., long days, and you get paid in knowledge, right? Of course, everybody says that. Um, but that's kind of where I shifted and found my new identity was was in that, was that transition. That was my first transition. I love it, dude. Yeah, it is crazy, though, you know, kind of going back to what you said about how much more stressful it is at that next level. Right? Yeah. In, in baseball, you're not necessarily at the risk of getting cut. Um, you know, if you are right, like, you, you yeah. know, if you're, if you're like one of the better players, you're like, okay, I got a spot. I, you know, I can, I can, you know, kind of be loose and do that. I remember in high school for me, our high school coaches were really like kind of hard ass, you know, just really were on you for every, every at bat or every whatever. So like we played a lot tighter, right? And I remember I never really did very well hitting in mm -hmm. high school, but then we'd go to the summer league, our, which was Legion ball. And like, I, our coach was just so chill. Let us just go play. Right. There wasn't the stress and just would kill it. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's crazy. Just that, that difference of like what stress will do to you in really anything. Yeah. But like when you talk kind of going back to that transition though. So did you find that, how long, like, let's say, how long did it take you to fully really accept that you're no longer an athlete and that you're no, your, your new identity is in 
something else or that you like, you finally were like, okay, like I fully understand, like I'm no longer an athlete. It doesn't bother me anymore. I can now kind of live my life. Like, did you go through a period of that and how long did that take you? Yeah. It wasn't like an abrupt, like all of a sudden, like I, I was done playing and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm making this, this transition into a career path and I'm going to go do strength and conditioning and personal training. Like I still, I held on to it for as long as I could. Like, even though I was cut and released already, I was still like, you know, one of my buddies was actually traveling, going to different, um, uh, like tryouts for the teams. And so like I hopped in with him for a couple of them. And then I just knew like, I was always still hitting, I was still staying in shape. Like I was still, you, you know, if you take some time off with baseball, especially with your swing, it's like, dude, it goes away quick. So that's a skill that I wanted to keep honing in just in case, just in case there was like a sliver that I still like wanted to do this. And so it was more of like a grant gradual transition. And then as I was doing that, I was studying and getting my certifications at the same time too. Right. And so I was kind of doing that. And, uh, in the transition time, cause I needed to figure out what I was doing. So I wasn't quite yet, uh, a strength coach or a personal trainer. I had just finished school. Um, and now you're not getting paid for anything anymore. So I remember one of my first jobs in that transition time was dumping garbage. So I dumped trash for a long time, like at an apartment complex for my stepdad's company. So I was driving around like literally, you know, I learned how to back up a trailer, which is pretty cool. Those of you that have not done that, it's harder than it looks, right? Like, so it's, it's, everything's opposite. So you're backing up this trailer, you hook up these, uh, big trash bins, you take them over to compactor and you're literally just dump, you're doing that all day, right? Like you're picking up trash. And, uh, and then I was like, had a realization, like, what am I doing? Right. And so at the time my sister was playing for San Diego state soccer. So she played there and she had talked to her coach, uh, and her strength coach saying that there was an opportunity to come there for strength and conditioning. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm open. I'm going to take it. Like, is there a slot open? They're like, yes, they know that you're, I told them that you're into it. Like they already invited you to come down. So boom, I went down, took that, did it, jumped all over it. It was awesome. And then that kind of was my transition. My main point of, I'm no longer an athlete playing anymore. Like this is what I want to do. And I remember that because I was like, I can, how much longer am I going to stay and dump garbage here? Right? Like I was, I had just, I'm just driving around with my headphones in like, you know, and, uh, you're just like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like you went from playing ball and now all of a sudden, you know, a couple weeks later you're dumping trash now. And so for me, it was just like, um, you know, and, and the crazy thing is too, is I was still talking to a couple of my buddies who had not played sports. So they kind of jumped right into, um, the, the job field, like really quick. And a couple of them were doing the strength and conditioning stuff. One of them was working at like high D one level programs. And I was like, Oh man, like if he can do it, I know I can too. And so that was my, my you know, reconfirmation of like, okay, this is your path, like do this. And so that was like my first transition real moment of being like, being able to fully let go of like the athlete side, still stay somewhat connected, but not truly being an athlete and now being on the coaching side of things. So that was like a vivid uh, memory that I have for sure. Yeah. So it was like, it was almost like you found another passion, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, I can like, this is a, a good stepping stone for me. Like it's like I, I can stay in a similar, I can be close to the athlete mentality and be close to athletes, help the former me in a sense. Totally. And then also like just be passionate about something new. Absolutely. The coolest thing was too, is like, yeah, you're not getting paid while you're doing the internship, but 
I got to work with every team there, dude. It was like the coolest thing. So I wasn't limited to like just focusing on baseball players or just focusing on the soccer team. You did swimming and diving. They had a golf team, which was super cool, which now like looking back in hindsight, I wish I would have done golf. Like those guys got hooked up, you know, like all the stuff that they got, like it was, it was awesome. I was like, man, I, w- I should have done golf. Um, football, basketball, actually basketball had their own guy. They, they had their own guy that brought in, um, which at the time, um, they had a lot of video and like camera guys there and stuff. Cause, uh, it was when Kawhi Leonard was there. So there, there was like all this huge talk about this, this kid, this kid Kawhi and, and they had cameras coming in. I'm like, what the hell, you know, like super weird. But anyways, like they were the only ones that had their own strength coach just for basketball. And so the staff, we would do everything else. Like, so all the other sports that were at the school, we would do that. Um, but basketball was the only one that we didn't touch. They just had, they kind of had their own guy. He would come in, they'd run like agility ladder stuff, just like super basic stuff. But anyways, they had their own thing. Um, but it was really cool to get exposed to not only different sports, but like different positions in the sports too. And like, what was the, the demand for their sport? What could you, what were the ways that you could, um, pull off the brakes a little bit? What are they doing a little bit too much? What do they need to strengthen in a little bit more? And so you're like, you're pulling on all these different levers to help improve that individual or small group. And, uh, it really tested you to be able to like bring your a game to be able to take that person in that particular sport to another level. So you really had to focus. And as soon as I got more and more experience, they started to give me more, like more rain. Now I could start coaching small groups by myself. Whereas before, for a long time, I had to just shadow, you know, I was very brand new to it. And so, uh, eventually I got to do it on my own, which was super cool. And yeah, I don't trade that experience for anything, dude, because it gave me exposure to so many different types of athletes and different types of crowds and different types of sports and different types of just movements in general and, and where they need to be stronger at. Um, it was really, really cool. So that was like a good transition for me. I love it, dude. What do you think was the biggest thing you learned there? Like during the course of that year or however long that was? There's a lot of things. I I learned from some really, really cool people too, man. And then also like to backtrack, I mean, I don't know if I could limit it to one thing, but I remember a couple of things that stood out to me. Top three. Okay. Vividly. Okay. (laughs) Top three. The, The first one I would say is earning, earning respect from the people that you're coaching based on your physical appearance. I didn't think it was like something that was super important or like, I thought it was something that was kind of just brushed under the rug. But one of the strength coaches that I learned from was, was a walking encyclopedia was the, till this day, like one of the the smartest guys that I know from the strength and conditioning realm. Like you can ask him anything that you want. And he just, you know, off the top of his head, he knows it right. Great coach. Um, physically didn't take care of himself. Right. Very obese, like very overweight, um, just had bad habits, just developed bad habits. And that's nothing against him, but what I saw his relationship to the athletes and how they would treat him and how they would respond to him was there was a lot of disrespect. Like, you know, they would say things under their breath that he wouldn't hear that I would hear. And, you know, and and it was just, I was like, man, I want to make sure that I'm never in that position. Right. So that was one of the things that I grasped that was huge that like hit me like a, a dagger, meaning like never let yourself get to that point to where you lose that much respect. So it doesn't matter how smart you are. You know, if you're telling them to go do split lunges, you know, and do it for 10 reps per leg, and we're going to go three rounds here. And, and, you know, you got the girls like 
MF in you under their breath, you know, and it's not, it's not like a subtle, like, oh, okay, we just don't want to do this movement. It's like, no, you fat MF, like, you know, there was just no respect. And I was like, man, and I saw it time and time again. And I'm in a tough position too. I can't like go up and tell him these things. And like, he's, he's a mentor of mine. He's somebody who I look up to. And, uh, you know, so I, I'd have conversations with those girls, but I just remember like being in that scenario and just like, I don't, I don't want to be that. Like, it doesn't matter how smart you are. If you don't take care of yourself physically and you don't walk the walk, I was like that for me, that was a big thing. So that was number one. I would say number two is being able to deal with different personality types based on who you're getting and what sport. And like, for example, there was, if you're dealing with a sprinter, um, they're, they're very fast twitch, high intensity. They have very specific personalities versus if you deal with somebody who's long distance, right? Like they're, they're two totally different people. Like, yes, they're on the same team and they complete the team together. Um, but their mindset was totally different too. Like a long distance person is almost like more relaxed and kind of goes through the motions. A lot of times comes from like a well-off family. And it's funny, like the sprinters in the sports were like very aggressive, high intensity, um, just totally different. It's hard to explain. It's tough to put it into words, but, and that was just one scenario, but being able to understand like your audience and who you're coaching, I think is super important. Like you can't coach everybody the same. I could try to get a similar outcome, but maybe deliver it in two different, totally different ways. Uh, they'll yield the same outcome, but knowing my audience, I know which one to pitch them and which one to pitch them to still get the same result, but the approach was different. So I would say that taught me a lot. So being able to understand your, your audience and who you're talking to. And then I would say, um, responsibility, man, like timely manner. Like, so we, we had to be there. We started at 5 AM, which means I needed to be no later than four 30. If I needed to go in, set up, it's dark outside. Like if we were doing stuff out on the field, like you needed to go set up stuff on the turf, like, and funny thing is I would get there at four 30 and there'd already be guys doing punishment throwing up on the turf who got in trouble in football they're doing plate pushes across the turf right so like you had things going on all over the place so just because it was early in the morning doesn't mean that like people were shy of work so that's what i understood right away i thought like working out before like 8 a.m was like you know may maybe only like navy seals did that or like you know like, <laughs> like a very specific crowd so i would say um the discipline that was there was like insane, was crazy. Meaning like you had to be on time. I think you've talked about this before too, where your coach was like, dude, if you're not early, like you're late. And so I understood that right away, right from the jump. And uh, that's something that sticks with me to this day for sure. Oh, dude, I think that's so big time in sports, right? You get roasted. You maybe have to run. You have to do all these other things if you're late, uh, if you're not cleaning stuff up, like yep. if you're like just certain things. And yeah, I had... My, I remember just from a young age, one of my, it was actually one of my best friends' dad, he coached us and they had a batting cage in their backyard. And so we would go over there and I attribute a lot of that to how I got to play at such a high level, like just the reps we would take over there and just that hard work that we put in that I kind of didn't even think about until after it was done, right? It was like, wow, that was a huge piece of the puzzle. We were always taking extra reps. We were always going up to the field and taking more grounders or taking more fly balls and just working. But he drilled into us like I played for the Reds in Little League. Like we had, you know, the, the teams were the different MLB teams and we were the Reds. And like we had Reds time where we would show up like 15 minutes early. Like if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. 
And that just drilled into my mind. And then like at the next level and the next level, it would be, you know, the same type of thing where they expected you to be early. They expected you to, you know, and then even in college, it was like you, you go early and you get extra reps in, right? Or you go like you stay late and you do extra reps. At least I did like towards the end of my career once I started to really like be like, you know what? I really want to play at the next level and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get there. And so I, I resonated heavily with that. And that first point as well, just on like modeling what you want other people to do, right? That plays in everything, business. Mm-hmm any job, like leadership roles, like if you're not doing the stuff that you're asking people to do, well, they're not going to respect you, right? It's crazy. And I, I actually, when you were talking about that, I thought to when I used to have a lifetime fitness membership mm-hmm. and one of the trainers was like way overweight. And I've like always would think I was like, I would never, and this is, you know, I was in high school, but I remember thinking like, I would never want to have a trainer that is not in shape. Like I just, I I don't like, like it is not actually preaching or not actually doing what they preach. Mm -hmm. And you see it time and time again in our space, right? Nutrition coaches where like there's countless people we can probably talk like, like that, like that we can think of who are talking about X and Y and Z and they're not following anything near it. Like I, I know you right now, you're going through your own program and you're, you're testing out your own program to, to make sure you can fix any holes and making sure like you, that you know what it takes to, to be able to adjust things for your clients, which is amazing. I'm always doing the same thing. I want to make sure that whatever I have preaching in my program that I'm embodying as a person as well. So I think that's like a huge piece of just success and like earning respect in any area is just to model the way you want other people to do stuff. It's crazy. I didn't think it would have that big of an impact, but now I look back at everything that I do and I, I think that's the reason why I do it. And probably you do it as well Is like, I'm a huge proponent of walking the walk, dude. Like I, with, with everything that I do, it's like, and it, you know what it does is it gives me the conviction of when I'm coaching to somebody. And if I hear them say, you know, they're struggling with something in particular, or they, they come up with some, some sort of excuse. It's like, if I go through this so many different times, imagine how many different emotional speed bumps and hurdles I will have faced by the time I, you know, come out for doing it the hundredth time, for doing it the two hundredth time, right? And like, and so you come out on the other side with just so much more knowledge to the point where, like, I feel like if you had all the knowledge but you didn't go through it and you weren't a walking billboard, that information it could be the best information in the world, but if that is presented and there's a visual non-representation there of what you're trying to say, it, people are going to take it with a grain of salt, right? Like people are going to take it with like, okay, yeah, that sounds good, but uh, you don't follow your own advice, you know? And it, there's kind of like this unspoken thing that like nobody really wants to say it. Um, and I honestly didn't want it to be true because the, the strength coach that I'm thinking about right now was just like, I love, right? Like was super cool. Uh, nicest person ever, but, didn't treat their body that way, you know? And so it was very hard for them. They had to like fight and scratch and claw to like get the respect, you know? And it was, it's not that it wasn't completely, you know, just non-existent, but it was tough. Like it had to really, really be earned like on a day-to-day basis. And I was like, man, it, it could be a lot easier than that. You know, it could be a lot more fluid than that. And so that's why I took that. I didn't realize how many different avenues that was going to carry over with me. Um, 
but yeah, I guess, it, I guess it has for sure. I think you subconsciously sometimes just pick those things up, right? I didn't even realize that, but it's funny when you were talking about that as well. I was listening to Ed Milet's podcast that he did with um, the UConn coach. Um, Dan, I think Dan Hurley is his name who won the natty uh, basketball, basketball. Yeah. 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 And uh, he was talking about like modeling, like he just, he's such a hard worker. He's doing meditation. He's getting his workout in. He's coming into the, to the facility sweating. He's the first one there, the last one to leave. And um, people respond to that, right? Like these, yeah. these players are like, damn, like coach is fucking outworking us. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's the kind of shit. And do you think this is something I don't think I've ever talked about with people, but what do you think about like coaches who haven't, this is, this is a touchy subject coaches who haven't played at a high level or coaches that haven't like walked the walk of the sport yeah. that, they're, that they're playing. Like how, cause I remember the reason I say this is I remember like, you know, we would have grad assistants and different people that were coaching. And like, I, I'll say, I'll say this. Like, I think that there are certain people that maybe didn't play at a high level. Like actually one of the best coaches that I ever had who helped me. And I attribute a lot. I, I, sh I shouldn't say like, I attribute a, like, like him coming and helping me with my swing to my, uh, my amazing senior year at college. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and he, he didn't play at a high level. Um, you know, he wasn't like a stud baseball player by any means, but then I had other places like where it was like, I almost like, I don't know if it was just a subconscious, like disrespect for some, like, you know, I never would have like acted a bad way to these people, but you know, they didn't, you know what it was? Sorry. I'm kind of like thinking through this, but like, yeah, you know what it was is like, like, I remember this, this one coach that, um, he was like a grad assistant or something like that. And, and he just, um, he didn't really play out like, a, you know, he wasn't really that good. Right. And, and he, but he, the stuff, what it was is the stuff he was telling me, I disagreed with so much, right? Like, and, and so like, I, I, he kind of lost my respect from that, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. But what do you, what do you think about the coaches that uh, don't, you know, they never really walk the walk as a player in whatever sport it is? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a slightly different. It's, it's funny because like you can go to different sides of the spectrum with it. Right. Yeah. But what comes to mind first is I think of like, um, uh, what's his name? Like Bill Belichick. Did he play? I don't know if he played. Did he? I, don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> he he might've played, but All like those older he, coaches, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I know it's so hard to tell. They, they might, they may have, they may have not. I'll say this in baseball, usually traditionally like the best coaches were playing catchers, right? Because they understand the entire game. You see a lot of phenomenal coaches that are, were once catchers and they transition they see the field from an entirely diff different view. They touch the ball every single second of the game. It's like, they understand it very well. And, um, but with that being said, I think there's a, something very cool to, to be acknowledged in somebody that doesn't necessarily ha didn't have the physical capability. So couldn't play at a high level. Uh, I would say don't immediately write them off as like not being a good coach because there, there can be phenomenal coaches. And I think the, the advantage to that is if you don't have that super high like skill level or you haven't played at that, you know, specific level of the sport that you're coaching or whatever you're coaching, I think it leaves you almost with a chip on your shoulder in in a sense that 
you're still hungry enough to continue to progress at the thing that you're coaching where you can surpass somebody who played at a high level who has, yes, they have years and years and years of practical experience, but they might rely on that so much to the point where now all of a sudden new things come up in the game or like new situations. We look at baseball, like they have the, the, the play clocks and stuff. And now there's like these replays and like, and so Yes, nothing. It's very hard to trump practical experience and having years and years of experience. Those people that play, you know, with high skill and they have the ability to play at high levels for years. Great. But let's say you don't. And if you don't, I think those guys have the advantage, especially when they're brand new, is because they're hungry. Like and and if they find a way to keep that hunger almost to like. (laughs) almost to like a, a, a unhealthy standpoint, like where it's obsessive. Some of those guys are really obsessive about it, right? Whether they didn't have the ability to play. So like, okay, this is my way in is like, I'm going to know as much about the game as I possibly can. And I'm going to be a phenomenal coach. Like those guys that are hungry at it, like, man, they're going to be tough to beat because the chances are they're going to stay hungry for a long period of time. And they're always anxious to get to know better and to, to, to know more. And so they can bleed that into their players. And I think like, those are some of the guys that you want to be around. Those are some of the best people that you can learn from. Like, yes, you're going to be able to learn so much from people who actually have the skill, the experience. They played in the league for years. Like that stuff's hard to trade because they can speak on the same level and they understand exactly what the athlete's saying. But so can somebody who digests the game to like and absorbs and watches film like nobody's business and like, you know what I mean? So I think, I think, it, I think you just have to have the hunger. I think if you have the hunger, regardless of your skill level, I think you can be a badass coach for sure. And we see it too. We see it all the time. Um, the caveat with that is, is if it is in health and fitness and uh, you don't, you're not a walking billboard, your information is going to be taken lightly, regardless of how smart you are, because I've seen it firsthand and I've, I've seen it multiple times, but that scenario that I was explaining earlier was kind of just burned into my brain, you know? So that's, that's kind of where I stand on that. But you, yes, you can be a phenomenal coach. Um, and I think if you do it out, like there's a lot of overweight, uh, coaches in the NFL, right? Like some guys are severely overweight, but they're great coaches, right? So I don't think, you know, you got to take it for what it is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's like good coaches everywhere that, um, yeah. And there's, there's sometimes there's the coach that, that played a lot in the, in the league that sucks at coaching because he's so high on his own supply of being like the best. (laughs) That he's not anything. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're relying on past experiences like, oh, I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I did this. I did that. It's like, cool. That's great. And you can give phenomenal information, but the game's also constantly changing. And if you don't keep up with those speeds, like I said, the guy who didn't play at the high level, but he's hungry and he's learning and he's watching film and he's breaking it down. He's listening to how his his players are absorbing the information and then putting it into practical ap- application. And he's doing that rep and rep day in and day out. And you're just still sitting there chilling like, oh, yeah, back in 85, I threw 10 touchdowns. And like, dude, that's only going to go so far. Right. Like so. I think I think somebody with a high skill and a high hunger can pass somebody who had just skill alone and was phenomenal athlete, you know. So now if you take somebody who had that skill and they have the hunger to coach like that's hard to beat. Right. Like those those are some of the best because not only were they in the trenches and can speak to those practical experiences, but they're also staying up, uh, you know, with 
the 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 evolution of the sport too so they're they're getting more knowledgeable as time goes on i would say they they have the ability to put their ego aside and they learn and absorb as much as possible that's one thing too that you and i are, are i feel like are, are pretty decent at is being able to put our ego aside and like stay constantly learning like you and i are always asking questions like i asked you before we hopped on here like oh you're doing meditation like how are you doing it like i i, I want to explore that more versus somebody who knew that already would be like, oh yeah 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 like, yeah, I, I meditate and I, I, I know how to do that. Like, you know, I think you and I are, that's the cool thing about our conversations is it's like, nobody knows everything. So it's like, okay, if, if you can be open to interpretation and like want to learn more, I think that's how you never stop growing and never stop evolving. But if you're talking about how many touchdowns you threw back in 1990, like that's cool, dude, but man, we got to play a game on Saturday. So we, you got to get me ready for Saturday. You know, that's a different thing. <laughs> Oh, for sure, dude. And yeah, I mean, like, I think just having the identity as a learner, right? If you yeah. can embody that and like wire that in that, you know, I'm a learner. Yeah. I'm dropping. Actually, I was reading this book. Um, I think it was called Unlimited by uh, Jim Quick. And mm -hmm. it's a really, really good book for anybody out there who hasn't, hasn't read. It's like kind of almost about like the playbook of becoming a better learner, of being able to absorb information better, read, read quicker you know, have a better memory, like just a ton of different things. Really, really good. And he talks about that, like just like being, you know, like having just the ways to really become like a better learner and, you know, just dropping all of what you think, you know, aside, because yeah. you know, we go into everything with that preconceived, we know, I know everything type of thought process and identity. And then like, we don't actually learn what we could learn and pick things up. You know, I think there's also that side of the coin, too, that I'm kind of starting to get to, where when you dive so headfirst into growth and into learning new things and consuming information and trying to apply it, that you almost crowd yourself a little bit too much. And so there's that piece of what's the balance between learning, applying and just being. You know, like, have you ever thought of that? Like what, like, when is it too much? Cause I think I recently maybe hit the spot of it's like, you know what? I am like trying to go way too hard with this whole learning thing, growing thing. And not that we shouldn't always be like, I think every day we should take a step forward. Right. Like, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. And what I've realized now is I've, I've started listening more to Joe Rogan podcast because I'm trying to put in different and more music too, because I'm trying to put in more not like, you know, not educational stuff, mix that stuff in. Cause I'm already reading 30 minutes a day. I'm already meditating for an hour a day. I'm already, you know, learning through different avenues. And so I'm trying to be more of a B person right now and, and just like understand that I have the answers. And so what do you, what's your thoughts on that kind of thing? The balance between learning, applying and just being. It's so interesting, man. I, I love that topic because it's it can take your brain in different ways, right? So I like the the fact that you're like, okay, I spend so much time in brain capacity on learning, which on the surface we should, right? Like that's something, especially if it's something that excites us. Uh, at the same time, too, I, I love the way that uh, Alex Ramosi puts it, and he he explained it in one of his videos. He was like, it's the difference between, let's say, for example, you're brand new to sales. He's like. When you're brand new to sales, the first thing that you want to do is go and read as much information as you can, get the best sales books. He's like, instead of just starting and doing, that's like when, that's why I love uh, telling people when they, I feel like they're majoring in the minors, I just tell them, hey, start sloppy. 
that's like one of my sayings, like you just need to start, you just need to get the ball rolling. We'll fine tune and we'll tweak as we go. So anytime I find myself like just doing information overload and I'm like, man, I haven't taken action in a while. Um, I always remind it. It was a video, it was a clip, it was a snippet of a podcast or something, but he's basically saying somebody brand new to sales, they'll get all the books, they'll get all the the modules, they'll get all the trainings. Um, and they're, they're looking at it through a lens of just information overload. So they're gathering a bunch of information and they haven't done anything. They haven't put it into practical application. He's like, versus if you go jump on your first hundred sales calls and you fail, then you read that information. You have something to apply it to. You have something to put that information to. And so that was big for me when he explained it in that way. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because it is a fine balance. It is a fine dance. And I think sometimes when we try to absorb so much information, we start to pull away from the action itself. And if anytime we find ourselves doing that, it was, you almost have to remind yourself of like, okay, I'm just becoming an information expert here, but it, that, that information is great, but how do I apply it to my specific scenario and my specific life and my specific situation here? Cause it might be totally different than what's the information that I'm gathering. Like it might be a piece of that, but it might be nuanced and it might be slightly different because my experience was a little bit different, but I only know that from putting it into ap application and trying it. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one, man. Like you have to, <laughs> I think to your point, I think it is like a dance. It's like a balance. Like are, are you seeking the information to, you know, this is something I ask myself, are you seeking the information to just like give you false uh, confirmation that you're actually taking action on something? And even though it's not the actual thing, it makes me almost feel better if I like get information overload and I just keep absorbing, 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 because then I feel like I could check the box in my mind that I'm actually making progress in that direction. When in actuality, I haven't even put it into action. So that's a good like light bulb moment for me where I'm like, Okay, let me let me start sloppy. Let me go over here and do the action, expecting it not to be perfect. And when I run into a speed bump, then I can come back to the information. So that's I I, I like to like monitor myself on that and and check myself because man, I'm a huge like module information book person. Like I love that stuff. You know, I, I love just absorbing information, but uh having the self-awareness to make sure I'm actually practical applying it, you know, and, and, and fine tweaking, fine tweaking and adjusting as I go is like what I found to be really important. Oh yeah. Dude. It's so easy to just consume, 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 consume. Oh, dude. I did that yeah. for way too long. It's like, yeah. oh, well, I'm doing that. I'm learning so much <laughs> shit. That's, that's why like <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to like be more too is because I've realized when I sit and I talk about some stuff, I'm like, wow, I have a lot of answers to these things. Yeah. But sometimes if you're only consuming and even if you're only consuming and applying and you're not just allowing yourself to be, then you don't fully understand everything that you've learned. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I just kind of, it, I forget sometimes like, wow, you do know a lot of things. And like, when I do sit with myself more and I sit with that and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to like cool it down. I'm going to slow down. Like I told you before this, like I'm in the slow down mode right now where it's like, I had some confusion around like what the next steps are. And so I've slowed down. I'm still moving the needle forward, which I think is important. I think sometimes what people do is they stop, <laughs> you know, and, and we just did a podcast on building momentum. The last thing we want to do is lose momentum. And so still push that needle forward, still move the needle in the direction, just slow down, create space, create space for answers to come to you, for you to figure out what you want. Like I, I'm figuring out, day after day through these hour meditations that I'm doing a little bit more of the answers that are coming to me for my future. I right? like, and 
a lot of times I think what I've done in the past is I'm like, just keep pushing, just keep pushing and like, don't take the space to figure out the answers. Like, cause it's going to be so hard to, to turn into a different direction, right? Like we, we go down so far along a path. And I think of this, what comes to mind here with this is I was in Breckenridge, Colorado in the summer one year. So this had to have been like three or four years ago. It was a bachelor party, right? And we, uh, one night we had been, this is back when I was drinking. We had been down in the town of Breckenridge and we're really, really drunk, right? And we're trying to like walk, we're up this hill is where we're staying at like a VRBO or Airbnb. And we went up the opposite hill, right? We're going up, there's three of us. We're going up the opposite hill. We got the, the, what we think is the direction. We're like, this is the road I think that we're on, right? So we're stupid first off and and uh and we're going and like oh yeah half a mile it's on our left right and then we walk for a while and it's like i feel like we've walked a half a mile no another half a mile and then it's on our left and we like literally we're walking for like an hour and a half up this hill it's dark there's no lights middle of the night like 3 4 a.m and we're like well do we turn around we're like, well, what if we're close? I mean, this thing says we're close, right? Like it's, that is what it is, right? We ended up, luckily a taxi came and picked us up and gave us her, like, he's like, no, that's five miles that way, the opposite direction, right? Like we were way <laughs> yeah. away from this thing. Yeah. But, but I think that's how a lot of people live their life is like, they're like, you know what? I'm way too far this way. What if this is the right path? And the thing is, is they keep moving at that same speed as opposed to just slowing down. And being like, okay, let's figure this out. I'm going to still move in this direction, but let's figure this out. Let's give us time, space for these answers to come and for us to maybe potentially figure out, oh, wait, like I need to do a little turn here. And then, oh, shit, now we find the direction and we keep moving forward. That's interesting, man. That's, that's super funny, too. I think a good way to to feel if you've if you're too much information overload or you're continuing to drive too far in one direction, I think it's a really good idea. If, especially us, us as coaches, it's like, okay, whatever information and concept you just grasped and you just studied, see if you can apply it and see if you could teach it. And that for me shows that like I've actually grasped the concept is when I try to teach something. I might think I know it if it's like something brand new that I learned. And then I try to coach it to somebody and I'm like, oh, that came out wrong or that came out stupid or that's not how I wanted it to come out. That's because I don't quite have the concept down yet. Right. And so it's like shaping it and molding it. And then the next time it's like, okay, it came out that way. This is what I was trying to deliver. But it, you know, it's like the telephone game with your head. Like it came in this way and it came out my mouth different the way I said it. Let me try that again. And I think you just keep shaping and molding it until you actually get it. And then you're like, okay, now I've firmly grasped that concept. Like I, I completely understand. So I think that's one trick that we can do as coaches. And I'm sure you do it too, is like, if I want to see if I really have a concept down is I try to coach it to somebody. And, you know, and that just goes through experiment. Um, and there's some things that'll come out like, Oh, I might want to hold off on that one. Cause I, you know, that didn't come across exactly how I wanted it or how I saw it in my head. Um, but you got to keep trying it. You got to keep doing it. It's got to keep evolving. And then the more you do it, the more repetitions, then you, you can fine tune it, tweak it, make it your own um, and really be able to deliver that concept that you're really trying to get out. And then, then it just comes off like second nature. And now you've fully comprehended it. But if you just keep absorbing information and keep going that direction, you, if you guys just kept hiking up that hill, right, like eventually at some point you got to put it in an application or you got to teach it to somebody to see if you really did grasp the concept. So, yeah, that's funny, though, man. 
Yeah, I think we'd still be hiking up that hill right now if, uh, <laughs> if we didn't get that taxi. Another half mile. We're that almost there. That shit could happen. I mean, it was in the middle of the mountains, dark. I mean, <laughs> probably not good, right? Like, oh, right, so, yeah. like that's a, animals out there. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, let's yeah. let's change the directions here quick. Like, you know, kind of going back to your career in, in sports, right? You played sports for, I would imagine, sometime around. You know, 22 to 25 years of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Similar to me. Like, what what do you think are, you know, maybe three of the biggest things that you took away when it comes to mindset that you've applied to your business, your life, just up until this point? Well, I don't think I've told this story before, but one of the biggest things that like comes to mind, I was actually thinking about this earlier today and how powerful our mind really is. I remember it was one of the first games uh, of the year at that we were going against the school Sonoma State, and um, there was going to be a bunch of scouts there. This this team was stacked. They were like the the team that put a bunch of kids together that either didn't make grades or like you know they had some studs, and so there's going to be a bunch of scouts there. And I remember for whatever reason, like I was on the bus ride and I remember visualizing I had been to the field before so I could like see the field in my head. I could step into the batter's box. I could use my mindset. I could visualize it. And what I was doing was, okay, what if, and and I don't know how I thought of this, but I was like, what if you imagined yourself in the batter's box and since they have home field advantage, they're going to let their pitchers use a L screen like in front of the mound and they're just going to be able to throw as hard as they can to you and you have to hit off it. That Like that's just the card you're going to be dealt this weekend, right? So I don't know why I thought of that. But in my head, I was like, okay, they get to, you know, stand like five, 10 feet closer. They get to stand behind this L screen and just throw cheese to us, right? So in my head, I was just imagining my my hands loading, me taking my stride, and them just throwing cheese right by us. And I just kept visualizing, oh, the whole bus ride there. I don't know why. I don't even know why that came to mind. And so we get there and uh, and it was like I had already taken a few hundred reps already. Of course, mind you, with them uh, visualizing an L screen that they're going to be able to cheat today and like just throw gas, right? And so the weirdest thing happened was that when uh, it came game time, the ball literally felt like it was coming out at like 50 miles an hour. Like I I was like waiting on it. I could see it before they even released it. Any off speed, just like slightly different. I could see the fingers rotated and as they released the ball and it was like cheating. I was like, this is so easy. And it, and that showed me the power of my mind. The, the, the downside with that is funny. I, I went like, I, I think I hit for the cycle that weekend and like, dude, I just went off and the scouts came and talked to me and they were like, they gave me their cards. And then uh, I saw one of the scouts a couple months later and he's like, man, at that Sonoma series, we thought you were going to go like first round. <laughs> he's like, based on the game that you had. And I was like, shit, me too. And uh, long story short, it was, it was mentally exhausting because people were probably like, well, why didn't you just do that every game? Right? Like, why didn't you just do that again? And you and I were talking about this before too. It's like, Yes, I was visualizing those those repetitions and it was like the craziest thing and how it goes to show you how powerful our mind is. But I was exhausted after doing it. Like I was drained, man. I know it sounds funny and you're like just you were just mentally thinking, but it, it drained me so much to the point where I was like, I don't even want to do that anymore. Like it was so tiring. It took a lot out of me, you know, and I know it sounds weird and it sounds funky, which is why I like I, I did it going forward. But 
to a 10th of the degree, right? Like, I don't know what like got into me, what told me to do that, but I would just visualize it repetition over and over and over as if like they were throwing darts, like 110 miles an hour, almost had to do like a no stride, right? Like just barely kind of like load your hands, already have your stride down. And I tell, I shit you not, by the time I got into the game, I was like, dude, these are beach balls. Like, how are you guys not crushing this? Right. Like I was hitting oppo bombs. I hit two oppo bombs that weekend. I was like, dude, it was just stupid. And I was like, this is so easy. I can't wait to get it. I would hit a jam shot and it would find like, it, it would find its way through. Like I couldn't miss. And, uh, and just, I saw the power of how much visualization in the mental side of things can like work in your favor. It's, it's just as exhausting as doing something physically, which is why you and I talked about meditation. And like, the reason I struggled with it is because my mind wants to stray and it's like hard to bring it back. Right. So that's the, that's the thing I battled with trying to do it going forward for whatever reason on that bus ride, I was able to see it so clear and vividly and repetition after repetition, after repetition, I was like, cool, why don't I just do this every game? So I try to do it next game and some games I would get it a little bit better and then I'd get distracted or somebody would say something and I'd snap out of it. Right. And so like, I wasn't able to do it to that degree, but I guess it was just a long bus ride. I could just like put my headphones on and like not talk to anybody for, you know, an hour or two or whatever. Um, but I will never forget that, man. Like it's, I don't think I've ever told that story, but, uh, I think it just goes to show you how crazy our mind works, you know? That's so awesome, dude. That's a great story. That had to have been fun. Just like going, you're like, like, you guys can't hit this. It's like throwing 95, but it feels like 85. Yeah. You're like way way early on a 95 mile. (laughs) Yeah. It was was insane, bro. It's like I could see the ball for so long. I just like could see the laces on every pitch. I could see it out of their hand. Like if it had a little wrinkle on it, I was like, oh, here comes an off speed. Like it was it was literally like cheating. But I, and the only reason that happened was because I was like, holy shit, they're not putting the L screen out in front. They're not doing that whole deal, huh? They're actually throwing from the mound. So it was like, they were way back there. I was like, holy shit. And, uh, you know, we, we've been in situations and scenarios and games where it's like, whoa, the mound feels close today. Like they're throwing cheese, you know? Um, and so I just mentally envisioned it the opposite and like put them super close and they just were like able to throw these darts like super fast. And uh, so I kept that same approach and went to the plate. It was, it was insane, dude. I, I, I've never told that story, but um, yeah, it's crazy how the mind works for sure. I love it. It just goes to show you. How often do you use visualization now? Now, uh, at least once a day. If I'm very good, occasionally I'll, I'll miss it. But uh, that's kind of like one of my non-negotiables. That's one of my, my daily actions that I do. Um, I know when things are going not so good for me, chances are I can look back at my day and I've probably missed my visualization. And that's, that's the thing that like keeps me grounded. I know if, if I'm, uh, you know, feeling emotions that I don't necessarily enjoy or they're causing friction or they're uncomfortable, chances are I could go, Oh man, did you, did you miss this morning? Did you miss today? And did you not visualize or did you not take some, you know, five to 10 minutes to yourself to, to focus on the things that you actually want and your desires and, and those sort of things. And nine times out of 10, it's because I didn't do that. And so, which leads me to go about my day in default mode and just being super reactive versus being intentional. And so if I happen to bump into, you know, so it doesn't even have to be physically, but if I see something that's distracting on social media or, you know, somebody's down about something, I just let it rub off on me. And then now all of a sudden it's a trickle effect and now I'm in a bad mood. Right. And so when I can self-reflect and go, 
man, what's really going on here? Like, why are you in this mood? What happened? Is it one significant thing? Did you take any time to yourself, even if it was five to 10 minutes today, did you take time for yourself to, to visualize, to see what you want, to focus on the things that make you happy? Like, and if my answer is no, it's like, well, no wonder you feel like shit and you're in a bad mood and like, you know, you're feeling down and depressed and caught up in your emotions or whatever, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's super powerful, man. I think, uh, if you have the ability to catch yourself and you're not just going through the motions, I think it's super powerful because now you tap back into being intentional and being in control of your day versus I think the 99% just go about their day and kind of keep their fingers crossed and don't even notice they're doing it and just going more so of like a hope approach. Like, man, I hope today's good. I hope today's going to be, you know, great versus I'll never forget one of my, one of my coaches, um, he used to say, make today great, right? Just make, make sure that you're intentional. Make sure you're in control. You woke up with air in your lungs today. Everything after today is extra credit. So he's like, you woke up today. Good. Now you have the opportunity to make today great. So he'd always say, don't have a great day. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't end his messages or end his talks like that. It would always just be make today great. And it was just that slight verbiage that he would tweak that just kind of put things into perspective. Like, oh yeah, we do have control. We can be intentional. Good shit, dude. And how do you, like, let's say you're sitting down, right? You're sitting down for your five to 10 minutes or however long I'm doing it. What are you seeing? Like, is there a certain framework that you have for your visualizations? How are you going about it? I don't have a certain framework. I just, I, I keep it simple. The first thing, even before I back up, um, I'll back up. And the first thing I do right is be grateful. So left foot, right foot. Thank you. I, I literally say thank and you. And then from there, um, I usually weigh myself in the morning after I go to the restroom and then I dive into to some visualization. So it's, it's not the first thing I do, but within the first five minutes and I don't have necessarily like a protocol. Maybe I should, uh, to dial it in even further, but the things that I focus on are the things that I want. Like, what are my desires? Like if I were to strip everything away, any and all restrictions, meaning like if there were financial restrictions, if there were location restrictions, like if there were environmental, you know, restriction, I try to strip away all restrictions and go, what do you want? What do you really want? And I just kind of let my mind marinate on that, you know, and, and visualize that. And so I try to do it in as much detail as I possibly can so that it's fresh in my mind to the point where I try to encompass all my senses. Can I see it? Uh, can I touch it? Can I feel it? Can I smell it? Um, what does it sound like? Like, you know, and, and almost envision myself in present tense. That's the way I do it. And that's the way it feels really real to me. And that's where like, I can come out of that visualization feeling like on a different high, on a different level in like, no matter what happens in the day, like I'm, I'm good. Like it's, this stuff's already accomplished in my mind. Like just time hasn't caught up yet. And if I can go about my day like that, man, versus being behind the eight ball, I don't take the five to 10 minutes to do that. Being reactionary in my day, like, man, those days don't go so well, right? Like I can always turn them around, but I'm starting off behind the eight ball, so to speak. So if anytime I can, I can create that visualization, use as many senses as I possibly can and bring into it. I know it sounds, you know, cliche. I know it sounds kind of woo woo, airy fairy, whatever, but it, it really truly makes a difference for me for sure. What I can say that with like absolute conviction, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I would visualize things that I have 
today that I never thought I would have. Like not, not like things, not necessarily financially that too, but like, uh, you know, positions in my life, like things that, uh, I would obtain like levels I would achieve. Um, it was stuff that I used to like, when I look back now in hindsight, I look back and go, damn, I used to like, I used to wish for that stuff. I used to have that stuff on a vision board, you know, like, and, uh, it's funny. I found some of my old notebooks, one back from like 2015, I think it was. And I wrote in the back of it, like run my own business, um, have a, have a, a specific bass boat. One of the things at the time I wanted to do was compete at the CrossFit games. Um, that, that didn't happen, but I was extremely competitive in that sport. And, um, and there was just a list of like 10 to 15 different things on there. And I had hit probably like 13 out of 15 on them. And it was funny because I forgot about that list. You know, I just wrote it down. I put it in the back of a notebook. It got like thrown in like some, some shoe box, like put up in the closet and just traveled with me from state to state as I moved, you know? And, uh, I was like, Oh shit, I need a notebook. And I pulled it out. And I was like, huh, I wonder if anything's in here. So you kind of flip through the pages and sure enough on the very back page, I was like, damn, I dated it like 2015 and wrote like one through 15 and just wrote the things that I wanted, you know? And like I said, I, I had achieved like 13 out of 15 and I hadn't seen that book since I literally wrote that, you know, like hadn't like looked at it daily or nothing like that, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's powerful for sure. Um, doing, doing that sort of thing. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I do visualization um, every morning. Um, that hasn't always been, you know, a staple in my routine. I, you know, I haven't always had it in the morning either. I found that that works best for me. So yeah, I visualize. I, I try to visualize like the big rock items that I want, and then I try to also visualize like me just going through the day, right? Like me just being being happy and smiling and having conversations with people and just like and acting in the way I want to act. Right. I yeah. try to visualize that. So I kind of visualize stuff that's maybe way out in the future. And then I maybe visualize some smaller stuff under it. So like if I was visualizing myself, like speaking on a stage, right. Visualizing like maybe speaking in front of a smaller group of people and, you know, visualizing them clapping or visualizing whatever I, I do. And, um, I already saw, I already like hit one of the, the, the levels of it recently where I was like, Oh, like I saw this happening, how it did. Right. Like it was kind of weird in that respect where it was just a small thing, but it ended up kind of being like exactly how I was envisioning it. Isn't that cool? Right? That's like, so cool. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think there is a lot of power to it and definitely something that, that everybody here listening, watching should, uh, should add to their, their day if only for five minutes. Right. I think that it's a huge thing. And before I get into the last question for you, Matt, I appreciate you, you popping on. Obviously, like I said, we need to set time limits for ourselves. Otherwise we could sit here for, for hours and hours and just keep going on, on different topics. I'll definitely have you on again. Obviously we talk, yeah. we talk all the time. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you on again. We'll dive into some other topics, but um, for the last question, um, where can everybody find you? Where can I send them? Everybody uh, who's listening and watching here, where can, where can they go? I think the easiest place is just my socials. My social media is fit with Matt, Instagram, TikTok. Um, my Facebook is fat loss and fitness for busy adults. That's a private group. Um, and I think uh, our podcast too, Optimize You, right? Optimize You, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, um, Spotify, right? So all that stuff. But really everything is fit with Matt. I think on Instagram, it's separated by some underscores like fit underscore with underscore Matt. Um, 
but yeah, man, those are, those are the easiest places for sure. I love it. Well, I'll link everything down below his Facebook group, his, his socials optimize you. There's a few, few pretty good hosts there on that, on that podcast. <laughs> and so make sure you go subscribe. Also make sure you subscribe. You, you like this podcast rated so that you can uh, make sure you're hitting every week here. We're coming with you every week. We're diving into to mindset, identity, happiness. I know we didn't, didn't get into happiness yet until this question. So I have a question for you. So I, Matt, I, I admire just your positivity, right? You always seem to be in a good, a good mood. Every time we talk, like you're just fucking, you're vibing, right? Like great vibes. What, you know, if you were to attribute like some things that you do or just how, how is that the case? Right. I've always like, I've always admired people like yourself that are in a great mood and always seem happy, always seem to, to be light lit up and, like, I, I'm just curious, like, what, what do you attribute that to? I think it's a couple of things, but I think the, the one thing that is super important to me, I just recently had, uh, you know, somebody I went to school with same age as me graduated, same class and they, uh, got brain cancer. Right. And they didn't, and unfortunately they didn't make it through. And I, like, I know it sounds cliche, but when I get up in the morning and it, like, as long as whatever stress I was thinking about or anything that was worrying me and I can wake up in the morning with air in my lungs, like, dude, what we're doing right now, how I go about my day, it's, it's extra credit, right? Like I look at it as like that. So anytime I feel myself stressed out or worrying about things or whatever it is, even if I find myself being negative or, or having a limiting belief, I have to always bring myself to that perspective and bring myself back and ground myself. It's always an opportunity to be like, dude, <laughs> you, like the, the fact that you're here and you woke up this morning and you can breathe and you can take a breath. It's like, man, like this is all extra credit now. Like, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's icing on the cake for me. And, and if I can put myself in that perspective, I'm like, man, you might as well capitalize the time that you do have here. Cause we all have that ticking time clock on our back, you know, and some of it's going to be quicker than others, unfortunately. And like, that was a reconfirmation for me, you know, as of recent to where it was like, she was the same age as me. Like we went to school together in a in huge, unfortunate event. Like it could happen to you in a second. Right. And like, you know, God forbid it doesn't. And, uh, so that's, that's the way I look at it, man. It's like, I just, that's why if I find myself in a bad mood or a downer emotional state, I have to bring that reframe back into perspective. And if I can do that, it very quickly like gets me out of a mood that I'm in. It just puts things back into perspective and go, oh, yeah, dude, today's extra credit. Like we got another day today. Like what are you, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to take advantage of it? How are you going to move the needle today? What are you going to do that that lights you up? Do something that has fun, that, that makes, you know, makes you have fun. Um and so that's what I use, man. That that makes it so easy for me. I've tried a lot of different things, but reframing in that perspective, I think, has been the biggest thing. And, um, you know, if you look at our time, it's so limited. Why the fuck would you want to waste it on on being negative or being down or raining on somebody else's parade? It like it it takes me back like people write a negative or bad comment on somebody who's like posting on social media. You know what I mean? Like somebody took the time out of their day to go write a negative comment on somebody else's thing. Um, I can honestly say I've never done that to somebody. Like I cannot recall a single time where I've took the time out of my day to go write something negative on whether I agreed with them or not. Um, and it just goes to show like some people are in pain. It just goes to show you that they're actually 
hurting and they're in these uh, very emotional, limiting, restrictive states. So it's even more incentive to me to go see things and go, okay, yeah, don't do that. Or, hey, that's a reminder of you could be in that same scenario, like reframe yourself, put yourself in the right perspective that's actually going to be conducive towards where you want to go and take advantage of today because today's another day for for extra credit. So, yeah, man. Boom, dude. Boom. If we had that, uh, if we had that, boom, boom, that'd be a good time to do it. That'd be a good time to do it. No, that was, that was, that was really, really good. I couldn't agree more. And God, this is good. This is really, really good. We'll definitely have you back on for, for some more chats on. We'll jam on happiness. Oh, dude, we'll jam on happiness all day, all day. (laughs) So I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thanks everybody for for watching, listening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're always welcome on whenever you want to come. Thanks dude. Um, But thanks everybody again for watching, listening, you know, again, make sure you subscribe, like rate, everything like that on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all that stuff. um, So we can continue getting this out to more people and and, uh, try to change some more lives. But thanks again for watching. We'll talk to you later.